Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we're taking a break from the 2023 NFL Draft Prospect interviews, and we're going back to the college coaching ranks. This time, though, we're going to the Power Five, and we're going out to the Big 12. I've got Iowa State graduate assistant helping with the linebackers is what he's telling me. i got Mason Tomlin today. Coach, how are we doing today? Good, good, man. Nice to, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, we're super pumped to have you on. I am personally super pumped to have you on. So, you know, <laughs> I appreciate people, it. Yeah, more people can figure out. Like, I always, I'm from Millersburg, Ohio, and nobody knows where that is. So I always have to say Worcester, Ohio. So I'm finally glad, like, more people can figure out where this little stop in the world is. So, yep, yep. So, yep. man, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and, like, how you came to the game of football. So, yeah, man, so I'm, I'm from Worcester, Ohio. You know, I spent a lot of my time actually as a, you know, not a lot of my time, but a fair amount of time as a kid, you know, in Millersburg. One of my best friends, Drew Wiggum, his mom is from Millersburg. His family lives down there. They still live down there. You know, so I spent a lot of time down there hanging out with them and things of that nature. So very familiar with Millersburg. Unfortunately, probably saying you're from Worcester makes more sense, though. You know, so I get that, too. But um, nonetheless, you know, from Worcester, grew up there, um, played, high, played high school football at Worcester. Um, played basketball there, ran track, you know what I mean? So went to college, ended up playing football. Um, really fell in love with football, I would say, you know, in high school. I had, I had a really good really good group of friends, you know, five or six guys, and all we really did was love football, you know, lifted together, you know, did everything together to try to get as good as we could for football. Um, and then, you know, from high school, went to Ohio Westland, you know, so went there, and I, I really fell in love with football even more. You know, I had a really, really awesome defensive coordinator um, and Pat Delaney, who was a uh, not just a football coach, but he was, he was a really, really, really good guy. And he really wanted, you know, the best for you, you know, whether that was football, academics, whatever the case may have been. But I'd really say there, you know, those, those two places, I really, really, really fell in love with, with football and kind of what it taught me and what it, you know, brought me to, you know, kind of brought me to that stage in my life. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to play college football, you know, so I owed a lot to it at that point as well. You know what I mean? Did you, when you were going through high school, you know, high school before the recruiting process opened, did you ever envision like, hey, when I'm done playing, I want to coach or did that all come once you got to college? Yeah, so really where I got where I wanted to coach was actually from uh, JV basketball coach. Strange enough, I was a freshman um, and I was, you know, fortunate enough to play on the JV team and his name was Chad Bever. He was a basketball coach, the JV head coach. And he was just really tough. He was a young guy. He was a young guy, so he could relate to us. But he was really tough on us and, like, really, really, really got us again to, like, try to be the best, like, version of ourselves in some regard. And, like, through basketball was, you know, his avenue, obviously. Um, and it wasn't always about winning games. Like, he loved winning. You know what I mean? And all the drills we did, there was a winner and a loser because, you know, that's how it goes. But it wasn't always about that. And he really kind of helped me in some tough points in my life as well. You know, and he was a coach, you know, he wasn't a teacher. He wasn't, you know, something else. He was a coach. And I really appreciated that, number one. And it kind of made me want to, you know, be able to, you know, influence young people's lives in that way. You know, just knowing the things that I was, you know, going through at the time and things like that. There's kids that have it much worse, you know, and I'm not naive to that. And I'm fortunate for what I did have and everything. Um, but, you know, to be able to help young kids and like help them through things. And maybe sometimes you don't. Maybe you just watch them grow and 
they're fortunate to have a good home life and parents are married and all those things, et cetera. Um, and uh, you just get to watch them grow, you know, but it's, it's the same thing. It's just a little bit of different perspective, but I would say really getting to want to coach was from, was from coach Bever and, you know, I guess freshman year high school basketball. Did you so, get down to Ohio Wesley and, you know, and you play your four years there. Yep. Once your college career ended, did you immediately seek out GA opportunities or was there any period of time where you were like, can I keep playing? Is there any chance I could keep going or did you immediately slide into coaching? Yeah, there's no chance I was playing after that. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, you got to know at some point it's time to, to call it. And, you know, I was, I enjoyed playing in college, but wasn't good enough, unfortunately, to, to continue playing. And I didn't really seek any opportunities. So I knew I wanted to coach, you know, going through, college you know I went to college and my first you know major was I wanted to get into education you know become a high school math teacher and coach football um but the first education class I had I didn't really like too much so I got out of that never went back but I still knew I wanted to coach so um really it just kind of got to the point where after I graduated I was I had been nominated for an award and uh, I didn't win it, but it kind of got my mind thinking, you know, maybe I'll look into going to graduate school, maybe going to get a graduate degree. Um, but I wasn't really too, too interested in it. And then, cause I knew I just wanted to coach and I didn't know going to graduate school would help me coach. So long story short, coach Watts, <clears throat> the head coach at Ohio Wesleyan was like, you can be a GA, you know, you can go coach and you can go to school and get it paid for, et cetera. And I was like, okay, you know, That'd be nice. But I didn't know if I really wanted to coach in college, you know, um, thought about it more, talked to some more people um, and was was fortunate enough to be able to volunteer at Miami of Ohio um, in Oxford and kind of really realized that, you know, coaching college football, I think, was going to be, you know, was going to be better because, you know, again, on, on the same token, I wasn't really sure how much I wanted to sit in a classroom all day you know, and, and do those sorts of things. So this gave me an opportunity to really look at it from a full on coaching perspective, you know what I mean? Opposed to being a teacher first coach second. So talk about your time there at Miami of Ohio. That's a rich program with Ben Roethlisberger, Sean McVay. Yep. I mean, very rich program. And I mean, the Mac is probably one of the premier group of five conferences. So what was your time like there at Miami of Ohio? It was good. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, head coach is uh, still there, Chuck Martin. Um, I worked for Eric Kaler and the quarterback. So that was a bit strange, I guess, you know, coming from playing linebacker in college um, to helping out with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, it was just a foot in the door, though. It got me in and it was, uh, you know, it was it was um, an opportunity, which I was appreciative of. Um, but really, it was it was good. It was a different it was really just a different lifestyle. You know, everything about it was different. I came from, you know, Ohio Western. And playing in the MAC is so different, especially when you get into the matching games and you're playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And then you turn around from what's normally, you know, a six day break. And you have five days until your next game. You know what I'm saying? Because you have you played on a Tuesday or you put on a Wednesday and your next game's on a Tuesday, you know. So you have those things that you've got to kind of work through and the adversity that you experience a little bit is is uh, tough, but it makes it obviously makes you better. You know what I mean? There was times when we were, you know, having to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and things like that um, just for because, you know, the players needed them, obviously, or wanted them. Um, and we were an extra pair of hands, you know, but it was you learned a lot. Um, I enjoyed it. Worked for good people. Um, still talk to Coach Kaler today. You know, I was just at the football coaches convention 
and I saw him, talked to him, had a good time. Um, but it was good. Met a lot of good people. I met a lot of good people that I still talk to as well. Young coaches, you know what I mean? Old coaches as well. So was there a time where you're at Miami of Ohio, you know, you're coming from D three Ohio Wesley and you you're now there at Miami of Ohio, which like we talked about is one of the better group of five, you know, D one schools. <laughs> and was there a time where you were like, Oh dang. Yeah. This is that big boy D one football that everybody chases. Yeah, I thought so. You know, um, I feel like I'm trying to think, you know, the, really the time that I probably really understood it was when we went to play Notre Dame. Um, but again, that was a bit of a different, you know, Notre Dame's not just like every other, you know, power five school. They're, a, they're, you know, they're a different level at that rate even. So that's a little bit skewed, but you know what I mean? Just watching how good I thought our guys were, you know, at Miami playing and the games that we had played prior to that. We had played Cincinnati prior to that um, and somebody else, but I can't remember who it was. Um, and it was just like, wow, we went and played those guys. And it was even more like they had Mike McGlinchey who was playing tackle, you know, who um, is an absolute beast. But uh, it was just a different realm in that regard. And I think at that point I probably was like, this is, you know, a lot different, especially because there's I'm watching our guys and then we go play Notre Dame and it's a completely different level you know, of, of player. So probably around then. You end up going back to Ohio Wesleyan as an assistant coach. Yep. I mean, I'm always interested when guys are not that far removed from their play, playing career and they go back to their alma mater. What was that like? You're going back. I'm assuming there's still some dudes playing that you played with when you're back there as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually made a, a short pit stop at Wayne state university um, in between Miami and Ohio Westman. I was only there for about like two months, maybe. Now my friend was coaching there from Ohio Westman had got me a job. Um, and then coach Watts from Ohio Westman had called me and with an opportunity. So I went back there, but nonetheless, it was, uh, it was a tough, not a tough transition. Um, you know, but it was, uh, it was interesting. I, so there was, I'm trying to think the guys that were seniors, my first year, they were sophomores when I was a senior so you know I had played with them for two years you know I had known them for two years and then obviously the juniors my first year were freshmen when I was a senior so I had known those guys for a year um so it was a bit of a different uh, a different experience in that regard you know I had to really kind of you know reverse back to coach Delaney who I talked about before you know he was he was very I don't want to say strict but he was just like you know, you've got to be an adult. You've got to be a professional in this regard. You can't, you know, can't go out. You can't do, you know, you can't be hanging out with them. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're a coach now. They're a student. You can't cross that line. You know what I mean? And I thought that he had done a good job of just like making me understand that, but not being like, you know, an a-hole about it. You know, he was just like, he was being honest. He was upfront and he was, you know, straight to the point. Um, but it was also fun because I got to see those guys have a lot of success. And like, I was really, really close with a group of guys that were freshmen when I was a senior. So I got to coach them their junior year and their senior year and their senior year. We had a really good year. I think we were eight and two or seven and three. And it was just, uh, it was a really awesome experience being able to watch those guys, like really, like I said, you know, grow and like, they, like two of them, three of them maybe even became captains. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they led the team and they had a successful year and like they did better than we did my senior year. You know what I mean? And they had done better than I had done any year that I'd ever been there. 
prior to that, you know, we had beat Denison, you know, which was a, a big win. Um, but I, I really enjoyed going back and watching those guys and, and, you know, being a part of that. But it was tough, you know, because they were still my friends. You know what I mean? And I wanted to hang out with them, but couldn't do it. You know, when you talked about when you took the role at Miami of Ohio, you kind yep. of just wanted to coach and maybe thought about getting a graduate degree. Now you're at Ohio yep. Wesleyan. So have you mentally made the decision yet at this point that like, yeah, I want to coach college football as long as possible. Or when did that start to become a like, man, I could just coach in college and this is a lot of fun. Yeah. So, you know, I really probably, uh, you know, really decided that I wanted to coach um, probably after my first season at Miami, you know, it was really tough. Excuse me. It was really tough. And there was a lot, like I said, a lot of adversity and ups and downs. And, you know, there were some, some things that had happened that made it just even, you know, kind of harder. I mean, we lost the game to Bowling Green because the ball bounced. Like we were, you know, on the one yard line and the ball had bounced off of, we were in shotgun, had a defensive tackle playing fullback. The ball was snapped, bounced off his leg, Bowling Green, you know, scoop and scored it for 99 yards, you know? So, I mean, we had some tough losses and, um, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was a really good time. Like, again, I had met some really awesome people. I moved in with three guys down there that I had never met before, you know, but like great people again, you know, it was all about the people. I really enjoyed who I worked with and, you know, you don't always love your boss, but you know, I enjoyed who I worked for, you know, they were, they were, they were looking out for my best interest and trying to help me any way that they could, you know, I had gotten the job actually at Wayne state from a defensive coach at Miami of Ohio and I didn't even work on defense, you know, and I had only been there for, you know, I was there in June until the middle of January, you know, and I'd never worked on defense and the guy had helped me out, you know, so it was working for good people and being around good people really made it better. Cause again, like how, like how much of a job is it to really just watch football all day? You know, like we all would love to have that job. (laughs) Yeah. Like it is, it is, it is a good thing. And sometimes you do forget it because sometimes, you know, after a loss, it's not, you don't want to go in there. I mean, that's happens with every job, but. Um, I really did enjoy it there. And I think after that, I was like, okay, I really want to see if I can, if I can make this work. Cause I did hear, you know, all the whole time, like how tough it is and how little money you make, how early on and all those sorts of things. So, you know, you're at Ohio Wesleyan for a couple of years, but then you go yep. back into the Mac. Yep. You make the trip to Athens, Ohio for Ohio university. What went into the decision to, leave Ohio Wesley and go to Ohio U. And what was your time like there? I mean, that's another program that's had a lot of success, turned out a lot of really talented players. Yeah. So um, again, I was fortunate, you know, to, to be able to have an opportunity at that position was an Ohio Wesleyan alum um, was a defensive line coach there, Pete Germano. So um, that was a, a big thing, but uh, I had went there and uh, the decision to go there, I wanted to, to be a GA, you have to, I think it's have to be seven years removed from undergrad to be able to be, able to be a GA and coach. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's seven years. So I graduated in May of 17. So I would have until May of 24 to start a graduate program and be eligible to finish it. You have to start it, I think, before the seven-year limit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but um, so I was like, OK, I really kind of got to get this going. And I kind of was interested in getting a master's degree. You know, I, I didn't really 
know if I needed to get it to coach, you know what I mean? Um, but I had the opportunity to obviously get a, a master's degree at Ohio U and I took it. And um, my time there, it was, uh, it was weird. You know, I'd gotten there March 3rd of 2020, March 13th was the day. Like, I think we went on spring break on the, the third, maybe the sixth. And then the 13th, they sent out an email to everybody and said, you know, we're not going to have students back, et cetera. So, you know, from I was I worked there for one week and then I was gone from March, you know, sixth or seventh until September. You know, Absolutely. just because of everything that had happened with COVID and uh, we didn't think we were going to have a season at first. And then the seniors in the MAC had put some things together, which was really awesome. Um, and we had ended up playing a season. Um, now, of the six games we were allotted, we actually only played three, um, which was tough. We played uh, Akron, we played uh, Central Michigan, and we played um, Bowling Green, maybe. Um, I think that's what it was. And we had lost to Central, beat Akron, and beat Bowling Green. Um, so it was only a three-game year, which was really a strange, a strange deal, too. Um, but again, I worked with really good people. Ron Collins was a defensive coordinator there. Um, Nate Faunus was a linebackers coach that I worked for. Um, Tremaine Scott and D'Angelo Smith were both coaches there, defensive line and cornerbacks, and they were good people. You know, they, they, they helped you out. There was a lot of things going on, obviously, with COVID and with all the testing. And, you know, at one point I remember I tested positive, and it was like the first time, um, and it was, I think, in January of 21, um, so, you know, right after the, the Christmas of 2020, um, and, uh, the, one of the coaches had texted me, he was like, Hey, you know, I understand it's not your fault. Like, cause I did, I felt guilty. Like I wasn't sure if I had done something wrong or whatever, but like, he was like, don't worry about it, man. It's, it's nothing you can do about it. Just, you know, get healthy, whatever. We'll see you here in a couple of weeks. If we need anything, we'll send it your way, but just make sure you're doing okay. You know, and I appreciated that. Now he's a good person. He's a good guy. Um, and like Thanksgiving there, like coach Collins, he made like an entire, like, uh, foil pan of some sort and put, gave it like me and the other defensive GA, a full Turkey, like all this food and everything. Cause obviously we couldn't be with our families. Um, and it was COVID and it was unfortunate, but coach Collins had actually battled cancer maybe in 2012, 2013, um, and, and he was in remission. So he wasn't, you know, super inclined to having a bunch of people over and things like that, but he was nice enough to cook us up a bunch of food and, you know, allow us to have that and, you know, at least have some Thanksgiving food, um, which I was appreciative of, but it was a, it was a good experience there. You know, coach Solich was the head coach there. Um, and I was with him for his last year, um, which is something that I appreciate, you know, um, being able to say that I worked for him, you know, he's a pretty, uh, profound name, you know, in this in this business so especially in the mac you know what well, I've, so. I've talked to some guys who have played for coach solich and, and i'm mm -hmm. always interested to get because i mean frank solich is i mean it's a name oh, yeah. that you're gonna say it and if you've been around college football for any length of time you're gonna know it not just what he did at ohio but nebraska as well and correct I mean, and nebraska was, as a player i mean yeah he, i'm pretty sure he was the first athlete to ever be on sports illustrated cover first college athlete maybe now, I did not know that. See, that I'm one, pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. See, and that's – I'm always interested because, you know, he has done so many profound things in the sport. Mm -hmm. But when you actually talk to people who know him, he doesn't 
act like he is. No, he does not. So what was your experience like with Frank Solich? Um, I mean, it was good. You know, uh, obviously it was his, his last year and COVID had taken a toll on him. You know, obviously he's, uh, you know, he's an older gentleman and, uh, you know, he's, he was, you know, trying to take care of his health and things like that. So it was a bit of a different deal. And I, you know, it was all fine and it was all good and everything. It was just a bit of a, it was tough, you know, cause again, he was concerned about it. You know, we were concerned about it. Didn't know really what to do, you know? So I just, I wasn't around him as much as I would have probably liked just because from March until, like I said, you know, August, September, I wasn't even in Athens, you know? So um, it was just tough. It was tough. But I, I, one thing I did, I did, you know, um, you know, take note of when I was there was he did a really good job of speaking to the team, you know, in those times of doubt and like, you know, not sure if we're going to play, not sure if this game is going to happen. Like there, we had three games canceled and there was a couple of different times we were like, okay, we're probably going to play. Then we're like, we're not playing. Then he's like, we're going to play. But he did a good job of, you know, laying it all out there and allowing the players to understand and the coaches to understand that, yeah, it's possible, but it doesn't look very likely, you know, et cetera. He did a good job of handling all the adversity that happened with COVID, I think. So, you know, you finally get that big GA role there at Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, obviously under a prestigious coach like we've alluded to. And then COVID hits at any point in time as we're all going through COVID, we're seeing seasons canceled, all this uncertainty. Did you ever think, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm done coaching college football? Or did you always have the faith like, now we're going to get through this and I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. I kind of always had thought that I was once, you know, once I had, you know, told myself back when I was at Miami that this is really what I want to do. Um, I'm almost kind of like too stubborn, I guess, you know, to like stop, you know what I mean? Um, and I just don't know what else I would do. Like I would hate to live, like sit at a desk, you know, I just couldn't do that. You know, that would drive me up a wall, I think. Um, but I knew I was going to have to try to, make something happen. It was going to be more difficult. You know, it was going to be tough. Um, but I also knew that I couldn't make it happen. You know, my family's very supportive of me. You know, my fiance, she's very supportive of me and her family is as well. I mean, they all understand, you know, and it's, it may, it is a little bit selfish, you know, to be a football coach is a selfish profession because, you know, I'm going to, you know, ask my family to move at this time or that time because I want this job or because I, got this job you know what I mean and that is a that's that's a tough thing to kind of battle back and forth but um I think one thing that did happen during COVID was you know Emma and I my fiance Emma we we got an opportunity to spend a lot of time together you know and talk about things like that and understand that you know I I do want to make this coaching thing happen and she's you know willing to you know to support me and help me and however she can you know what I mean so I think that was that was a positive that had come out of it, opposed to being saying, I don't think we can do this. It was more of a, yeah, if we can get through COVID and, and all of this, because through that time, really, too, from April until September, when I was at Ohio, there was just a lot of things going on. and I wasn't even paid. Um, so I was kind of, you know, in a bit of a in between a rock and a hard place there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, made it out and everything worked out, you know, for the best. So. Like we alluded to, you are now a power five GA, you know, you're out there at Iowa state. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Iowa state's been on the rise since Matt Campbell took over there and doing some really fun things. So talk about when the opportunity arose at Iowa state and, you know, was there, I mean, we've alluded to it. 
other than that brief stop at Wayne State, you have been in Ohio coaching the entire yep. time. So when Iowa State Correct. calls, is there any like, ah, you know, I'm not sure. I want to yeah, – am I trading I one am. cornfield for another? Like what was yeah. going through your head? You know, it kind of was a no-brainer. Um, you know, there was really two guys that really were, uh, you know, like staples in helping me, you know, get out here. You know, one guy was the guy that kind of like – let me know that there might be a position available. And then the other guy, um, you know, so the one guy who would let me know the position might be available was Dion Broomfield. And he had coached me at Ohio Wesleyan two different times in the spring of my freshman year and the spring of my sophomore year. Um, he played at Iowa state. Um, and we had just, you know, kept in close contact. And the other guy that had helped me out a ton was Josh Runda. So Runda played for coach Vite. So I didn't know at the time how, you know, how close Coach Vite and Runda were, or even that they even had spoke still. Um, but, you know, Runda was a was a huge help as well once I had, you know, had a little bit of an idea that I might be able to interview, you know, et cetera. And Runda had coached me at Ohio Wesleyan. That was his first, I think his first coaching, or maybe second, I'm sorry, second. I think he coached at Bluffton first after he had graduated. Um, but he uh, he coached me when I was a senior at OWU. Um, so he was a huge help in that regard as well. Um, but, you know, getting out here was uh, – it was a – I don't really think I thought about it. You know what I mean? My whole time, you know, since I left Miami, it was, you know, how can I get to, you know, the highest level um, and and see what it's like, see if it's – see if it's what I want, see if it's, you know – what it's really all cracked out to be. Um, and the one thing I've learned is that there's really no places, no place like this. You know what I mean? Um, in the regard of working for coach Campbell, you know, so when I had interviewed, um, you know, I looked up everything about the people out here, everybody on the staff basically was from Ohio, you know, so that was very, very, very like, um, important to me, you know, cause they had, you know, known where I came from. I had known where they came from, et cetera. Um, but it really wasn't in a question um, once I had gotten the interview and then I was, you know, fortunate enough to be offered the job. Um, it was really a no brainer. Um, it was almost, I moved out of Athens on a Friday. So I got the job offer on a Thursday, moved out of Athens on a Friday and moved to Iowa um, that next Wednesday. Um, you know, so it go. was, yeah. I mean, I, again, it had been a long time coming, you know what I mean? So um I was, I was very fortunate, um, very appreciative of that. And again, I had a lot of people supporting me and a lot of people saying, this is what you've been working for. This is et cetera. This is all, this is all what it is and it encompasses. Um, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of it, you know? And, you know, you obviously playing at Ohio Wesley and, you know, division three, unfortunately just doesn't have the same resources. So, <laughs> You go from, you know, the Ohio Wesleyan locker room in your playing days to you lock into an Iowa State locker room. What's going through your head the first time you're like, man, wouldn't this have been nice to have had as a player? What what was running through your head? Yeah, so I guess I also – I got to Iowa State right after they had won the Fiesta Bowl. So I guess I was kind of – I was kind of like uh, – I, you know, like I just walked into a great, I was, you know what I mean? I was that fortunate that I had walked into a great situation where, and they had just built a $90 million facility. Literally it was still being finished when I first got here. So like I was, 
you know, enjoying the fruits of everyone else's labor. You know, I didn't do anything, but I walk into this unbelievable environment um, and unbelievable facilities. I mean, a locker room is immaculate. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but, you know, the one thing I, I realized is, you know, what really matters is what makes up the locker room. You know what I mean? You can have all this nice stuff, um, but when the bullets start flying and crap hits a fan, you know, the people in the locker room is what the most vital thing, you know, that's the most crucial part of, you know, all of it, the facilities, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. If you don't have people in the locker room that can connect and that can mesh and that can, you know, figure things out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you look at Iowa state's culture. I mean, Iowa state's not getting the five-star ESPN number one, 300, but Clearly doing something right. I mean, you just look at Iowa State Cyclones in the NFL right now. Some, some quarterback named Brock Purdy just took the NFL yep. by storm. Miss, I mean, they called him Mr. Irrelevant, but he made himself and your guys' program very relevant. So what was – Correct. You know, Purdy – Purdy was there when you were there, right? Yeah, he was there my first year. So Brock was there my first year. Brees was there my first year. Charlie Kohler was there my first year. You know, guys on defense, Eni Wazirike, who plays for the Broncos. Um, he was there. Mike Rose, who's playing for the Battle Hawks now. Um, Jay Cummel, um, who actually was an undrafted free agent and then made the 53-man roster for the Rams, which is, you know, outstanding. He's an unbelievable kid. Um, but you know, him too, you know, like there's a lot of people that I was fortunate. Again, I walked into a very, very, very good situation. Um, and I don't want to, you know, look past that too. Cause that wasn't, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it and everything, but again, I, I didn't really contribute much work. You know, they, they had won the Fiesta Bowl, went to the big 12 championship the year before I got here. So I walked into this, you know, great situation, you know what I'm saying? Great environment. Everything was good. Um, so I'm, you know, smart enough to realize that, but it was working with those guys, you know, they were all, you know, some of those guys were on offense, you know, the two big ones is Brees and Brock, um, both those guys were on offense, but you watched them practice every day, you know, you, you watched them put in the work and do the things that they needed to, to, you know, not only help the team, but, you know, help themselves become the best player that they could, you know, the best person that they could, um, all the things they say about Brock are all, you know, true times a million. He's an unbelievable person, you know, unbelievable kid unbelievable story, you know, all those sorts of things. So, you know, you talk about coaching the linebackers there at Iowa State, and, you know, you guys, obviously this year, things are going to start looking different. The Big 12 starting to change, you know, with mm -hmm. the moving of Oklahoma and Texas. You got teams like Cincinnati yep. are going to be joining the Big 12 soon. What What's the vibe like with the coaching staff? Obviously, the change going on in the conference, you guys can't really control that. But, you no. know. What, what, what's the mentality like there in the coaching staff right now? I mean, the one thing you just understand when you're in the big 12 is there is, there's no week that you can just like, okay, we're going to beat this team. You know, like it just doesn't, there's, you know, a couple of teams in my opinion, you know, in the, you know, big 10, you know, maybe sec back 12 that, you know, you go, okay, we, you know, if we don't play our best football this weekend, we're still probably going to win, you know, um, or have a good chance to win because our players are just better. You know, we don't have that. You know, we're a developmental program, number one. Number two, everybody that we play is good, you know. It's just a fact of the matter. Like, there is no week that's a, you know, okay, we're only playing 
such and such this weekend. You know, that's not a thing, you know, and it ain't getting no easier, you know, with Cincinnati and BYU and Houston and UCF. I mean, that's not changing. You know what I mean? Um, so the mentality really doesn't change. You know what I mean? It's it's everybody's good. You know what I mean? It's going to come down to the fourth quarter last year. I mean, what we had eight games that were decided on the last possession of the game. Whoever had the ball in the last possession of the game, you know, that's how it was decided, you know, so it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, probably going to come down to the last possession. That's just what it is. You know, it is what it is and we're used to it and, you know, we enjoy it. You know, the, the pressure and all that is, is, you know, what really, you know, makes you love this and like want to want to do it even better and better each time. Um, but the men mentality really doesn't change. You know, it's, there's no cakewalks. You got to, bring a couple extra chin straps as our defensive coordinator says every week, cause you're going to need them. You know, and one thing that I always really like is you guys do play the big 10. You guys, you guys have that nice rivalry there with university yeah. of Iowa, the Hawkeyes. So yeah, man. tell me, tell me what, I mean, we grew up in Ohio, so we yep. know the Ohio state Michigan rivalry. And I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't really know how cool the Iowa state, Iowa rivalry is until I finally turned yeah. into it one week. So yeah. talk about what yeah. it's like now that you're, there you're on ground level of that rivalry just how yep. special is it it's awesome man so my first year we played here in iowa or in, here in ames and unfortunately we lost but college game day was there like it was awesome it was a great environment great atmosphere loud like stadium holds you know like sixty-eight thousand people or so and it's jam-packed people are streaming people are you know it's 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 very 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 um intense atmosphere um and then this last year or this last season we went to um, Iowa City and played at uh, Kinnick and that's like a that's a it's a like a it really is a historic stadium you know you do the little wave thing um, which is uh, absolutely awesome like that's something that I was like appreciative to be able to be a part of um, but the rivalry is it's just so intense like playing down there like that stadium holds a few more thousand people I believe than ours um, but it's still it's like just as loud you know the the, the fans are right on you you know, and we were fortunate enough to win last year at Iowa, you know, and uh, I think that was the first time in six years, seven years, I believe. Um, and it was a defensive battle, too, which made it all the better. You know what I mean? And it came down, man, to the last possession. Their kicker, you know, missed the tying field goal to go to overtime, you know, as time expired, you know. So, again, it's going to come down to the last possession, whether we're playing Kansas, you know, Texas, Texas Tech or Iowa. It's going to come down to the last possession, and uh, that's really what you you kind of, you know, live for. You know, we've alluded to you've gotten to be around some cool coaches. Chuck Martin, obviously, yep. is still there at Miami of Ohio. They did some cool things this year going to Northwestern and beating them. Um, yeah. You know, Frank Solich while you were at Ohio, but Matt Campbell is a name that feels like every time that there's a big opening, Matt Campbell's name gets thrown around, and it's because he's mm -hmm. done – such impressive things since taking over at Iowa state. So can you talk a little bit about coach Campbell and just how awesome it's been to get to work alongside him and kind of learn from him, you know, as you're, you know, still new into your coaching journey as well. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing, it's been unbelievable working for coach Campbell. Um, he's a top of the line guy. Um, he treats you with respect, no matter who you are. He talks to you. He asks how you're doing. You know, he wants to make sure you're okay. I mean, he's an unbelievable person, um, number one. Number two, the thing about Coach Campbell that I like the best is he keeps you, you know, 
he's a division three guy, you know, he's from, like I said, he's from Perry, Ohio, which is, you know, just North of Worcester. Um, he, he was really just like a, a down to earth, great person. Like, again, at the end of the day, like, yeah, he wants to win. Uh, he wants to win just as bad as everybody else. I mean, we're playing pickup basketball right now and he's on my team. And I can tell you, he, he wants to win, you know, we all want to win. Um, but it's not really about that all the time. It's about, you know, having these student athletes reach their full potential. You know, we have all these resources here at Iowa State. How can we, how can the student athletes use us? You know, we shouldn't be using, you know, the student athlete, the student athletes to be using us for all the resources that we've got to, to make them their best. And he's so, he emphasizes that all the time. And that gets lost in translation a lot. You know, there's all this. NIL stuff and and all this money flowing around and all this stuff and you know his name you know you can read whatever you want about him and all his name getting brought up and all these things but it's not about that you know what I mean it's about the student athletes that you know he's he's coaching like it's about them and it's about how he can best help them become the best version of themselves and and help them through struggles and help them through good times you know what I mean it's not just always about you know working through the adversity there's going to be some good times and it's good to enjoy those and celebrate those. And he's, he's the first person to do that as well. Um, but just working for him is like re, you know, reaffirmed that reaffirmed that there is still good football coaches that are not just doing it. You know, they're not buying players. They're not just out there to do it for the money. They're not out there to, you know, just win. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're looking out for the best interest of the players as well, you know, in the midst of trying to win and all of that, it's what can I do to help you? You know, and I and I appreciate that a lot. You don't see that a ton, um, but he's still doing it, and he's and he's winning. You know, he's doing he's he's successful as he is. You know, and we talked about you know you guys being in the Big Twelve, being a Power Five. So when you're recruiting, it's a little different than when you would have recruited at Ohio Wesleyan. So I want to get yep. into a little bit of you know what it's like to be a guy who's recruiting at that Power Five level. So walk me through. I know you know when the season wraps up you hit the recruiting trail. It might end for the players, but it's just starting for the coaches. So yep. what's the recruiting trail been like for you this year? And, you know, how, how much I, I'm always interested. Some coaches are like, man, I love getting on the road. I love getting out there and meeting the high school athletes where they're at. And other coaches are like, um, I'm ready to be done on the road. Yep. So where, where yep. do you fall on it? And what's your recruiting trail been like this year? Um, So I don't really do, like, I don't go out on the road here. At Iowa State, you know, as as a GA, the full time coaches, you know, the position coaches, they all go out on the road and they'll go to the high schools and those are the home visits and all that sort of stuff. But whenever a player comes on campus um, and say he's doing an official visit or in an unofficial visit, like I may tour him around the facility, you know, do all that sort of stuff. Or if it's an official visit, you know, take him and his family from this appointment to that appointment, you know, take them to the events that we've got that are, you know, on the schedule, et cetera. Um, but really, I don't go out on the road. Um, but, you know, speaking from when I did at Ohio Westland, because I had the opportunity to recruit there, I do enjoy recruiting and I do, do enjoy being out on the road. Um, I completely understand, though, after about three weeks, it's like, OK, I'm done with this. Like, I want to be back home. Like, I get that, too. Um, but I do enjoy it overall. It's 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 a I have a friend uh, says it's the life. It's the lifeblood of college football. So uh, I uh, I always laugh when I, when I think about it, but just because I always used to give him crap about that. Um, but uh, it is, it's, if you don't recruit, then you're not going to have a team number one. And if you don't try to recruit really hard, 
you're not going to have, you know, very good players. I don't think. Um, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You got to, you got to recruit, you got to, and you got to be able to do it at a, at a good successful, you know, rate, I guess. Um, or you're probably going to struggle on the field. Um, but, uh, it's a, it's, I would say recruiting at the division one level, um, I think is maybe better than at the division three level because, or, you know, division two level, because there's only certain periods in division one, there's dead periods, there's, you know, quiet periods, there's all those sorts of things where really at division three, you know, you're recruiting until fall camp. <laughs> like I remember there's, there was kids that we would bring, like I would be recruiting them in July and they would, you know, commit in July, be there in August. You know what I mean? So it, it really doesn't end at the division three level, um, small college football level, but um, there's gives and takes with it all. Right. So, you know, one thing that I find interesting with D one now is the transfer portal. You mm -hmm. know, you hear a lot of small college coaches take on the transfer portal and how it's impacted D two, D three. What's your guys' experience like there at Iowa state with the portal and, you know, as a GA, and as an assistant coach, what are you seeing with the portal? Yeah, you know, um, we we utilize the portal, um, get some mid-year guys. We got a, some transfer guys last year from the portal. One, Zach Lovett, he was from Missouri. Um, he's a linebacker, so he's the guy I think of first. Um, but, you know, we, we've used it every now and again. We got Colby Reader the year before that. He was a linebacker from Delaware that transferred to us. Um, so we use it to go get guys. But, I mean, we don't, you know, some teams live and die by the portal. We don't really do that I don't think at all um we're more of a we, we got a six to eight hour radius and we want to you know crush that get as many you know of the good players that we think you know etc that fit our you know culture all that sort of thing um and then and then go from there you know what I'm saying um so the portal doesn't really not a huge factor you know in my opinion um overall thoughts about it um it's good it's bad some people you know think the grass is always greener and it's not um, and that's unfortunate. Um, and some people just listen to, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, some people are calling and saying, Hey, you know, you should leave and go here. You should do this. You should do that. Whether that's a family member, you know, a friend, uh, you know, a trainer, you know, high school coach, whatever the case may be. Um, so that, that, that sometimes can be sad, you know, cause you watch some guys go in the portal and they're still in there, you know what I mean? Um, and that's, that's too bad. Um, but again, that's, kind of the nature of it and that's kind of how it's going and you live and you learn kind of deal. Um, and we learn more about the portal every day, you know, every year, um, as a GA, you know, when the coaches are out on the road recruiting, if we are looking for a, you know, a transfer, you know, linebacker, you know, I'll, you know, keep an eye on the portal along with the director of recruiting and, you know, the staff that he's got, but we kind of all work together to try to stay on top of it and see the guy first and, you know, watch him and see if he's good enough and then go from there kind of deal. But, um, kind of just use the portal as as necessary. How much film a week are you watching as a as a GA at a D one school? How much how much high school film are you having to cut up each week? Uh, like for like for recruiting? Yeah, like huddle. I, I just so got we a have a yeah. We have a thing called Quick U, and we kind of use that. Uh, I would say I probably watch right now. You know, like thirty guys, forty guys a week. You know, back to, you know, when the coaches were on the road and things, it was probably more, you know, um, but not enough too much. You know what I mean? Because, again, we we have a recruiting staff. So there's a director of recruiting. There's an offensive and a defensive, you know, assistant director of recruiting. And then there's an on-campus recruiting coordinator. There's, you know, uh, 
can't really I don't really know his title. Um, but there's another guy that he just he watches everybody's highlight film. He's unbelievable. Like he he watches so much high school film. Um, and he sends it to us coaches. And he'll send it to the GAs, you know, what do you think about this guy before? Maybe send it to a coach to, you know, verify if he thinks he's good or not. You know what I'm saying? But we have a recruiting staff who looks at all that sort of stuff and kind of like number one determines if they're, you know, can be recruited by us, if they're good enough, academics, you know. Uh, location because again we really are really hard or you know important on the six to eight hour radius that we try to utilize um but yeah it just it just all depends and it depends how many people we're looking for you know and in what areas so you know one thing you know draft season it's kicking off yep. the nfl draft iowa state obviously is going to have some guys you know last year you guys had some guys Brees hall yep. brock purdy who are some names that have declared for the draft at iowa state that we, we need to have on our radar that are going to make an impact like those guys did last year. Yeah, I mean, the two biggest names have got to be uh, Will McDonald and Xavier Hutchinson. Um, Will McDonald's a defensive end, um, and Xavier's a wide receiver. Um, you know, number one, most important, both great people. Um, you know, great people to be around, great teammates, um, but they're unbelievable. <laughs> Will McDonald is a beast at the def- – he plays, def- like I said, defensive line, defensive end. Um, he can – you know, rush the passer as good as just about anybody. Um, Xavier is a really, he's really a freak. Came to us from a Juco. I mean, he catches just about everything. He runs routes, you know, about as good as you're going to see. Um, but those two guys are the big, big names, I would say, I guess, for lack of better terms, um, coming out of Iowa State this year. Um, now there's other players, Anthony Johnson, MJ Anderson, Trevor Downing, uh, Orion Vance, who's a linebacker. Um, I'm excited to see what he does at the at the pro day, Orion, um, OV. So I was, you know, obviously fortunate enough to work with him the last two years. Big body kid, huge kid, um, played middle linebacker for us. So I'm excited to see he's been training. So I'm just excited to see, you know, what what happens and if anybody takes a shot and, and all that sort of stuff with him. Um, but uh, again, if they don't, you know, always look back at Jay Cummel. You know, he didn't didn't get drafted, unrestricted free agent, and made it all still happen the same way. So um, it's not all you know, all done if you don't, if you don't get drafted. So still got hope. So talk about this group that you've got right now, these linebackers, as you guys are prepping for this upcoming season, what, who are some guys that maybe, you know, the rest of the country just doesn't know yet. Some guys that you think are going to really, you know, put their stamp on college football this upcoming season. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the one guy I think about is Gary Vaughn. He's just kind of like the staple, the senior of our, our, our linebacker team. My first year here, he was a uh, played middle linebacker. Finished the year playing a little bit of Will, a little bit of Mike. This past year, he played all Will. Um, he's tough as nails, man. Um, great kid. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he's an unbelievable kid. He's a great teammate. Um, I mean, we were playing TCU, and like it was crazy, man. He something had happened. He had gotten his leg hit, and uh, we're sitting there in the huddle, and I'm you know talking to him. I got the whiteboard and everything, and I'm like, Gary, your leg's bleeding. He's like, oh, okay. And he calls a trainer over. He's like, hey, Gabby, you come over here and, you know, tape up my leg for me real quick. And he pulls up his knee, and I'm talking and talking. And one of the – Orion, OV, he said, oh, my God, Gary. And Gary's leg is split open. Like, I'm talking, like, maybe an inch wide, like, split open. Like, you can see, like and, – and I was like, oh, my God. Like, you should, someone's got to come help this guy. And uh, literally, they take him back to the locker room. They wrap it up. They put like this padded, you know, adhesive thing on there, and he's back out playing. 
And then the next thing I know, I look down and it's, the pad has got, you know, red everywhere because it's split back open. They had put, I think, 15 sutures in it. Um, and he's still, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. But he's like, he's a tough, like one of the toughest kids I've ever coached. You know, I can't wait to see him play. This is, you know, his last year. Um, I just can't wait to see what he brings to the table and, and the kind of leader that he is and, and how he brings. Because we have a little bit of a younger linebacker room. Um, you know, not a lot of guys have played a ton. There's some guys that have played, um, but not a ton. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm excited to see what he does and how he how he really leads this group. So he's he's the big guy for me that I, I'm excited to see. Do you ever have to pinch yourself? You know, you grew up, you know, you and I grew up in the same neighborhood. You're talking about Millersburg. Yeah. I mean, about the coolest yeah. thing in Millersburg is the Walmart. And <laughs> the only thing difference between Millersburg and Worcester is there's a movie theater. So do you ever have to yep. pinch yourself and go, I, I grew up, I came from this to Power Five football. Do you does ever just like stop and go, dang, I'm doing it? Yeah, you know, um, you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, I've got, you know, I don't want to say bigger dreams, but, you know, I have dreams and things like that. And this is all part of the, all part of the, you know, process, a part of the, a part of the path. Um, but yeah, you do, you know, sometimes I just like, I, you know, uh, you know, playing in the cheese bowl, you know, my first year they were playing against Clemson, you know what I mean? And it, that's like a wild, again, it's just a little bit, it comes into play in the college football playoff the three years prior to us playing them in the cheese bowl, you know what I mean? So they were playing literally on, you know, one of the biggest stages in, in college football. Um, so sometimes you do, yeah, you know, it's like, it's it's just weird. You know, we go play, to go play Baylor, you know, we drive down to the airport, hop right on this plane, fly right to this thing, you know what I mean, hop right off, the game's over, we hop back on, you know, that sort of stuff. It, it really is like, it's still like, yeah, well, I guess this is, yeah, this is how we do it, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is. It's Sometimes you do kind of got to pinch yourself a little bit, Um you never want to forget where you came from you know what i mean and to understand that you know i wasn't always this fortunate you know what i mean um but uh i'm, I'm so happy to be here you know what i'm saying and uh it is it's a it's a different experience for sure but i i really 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 love it it's it's uh it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun the experiences that you have are absolutely awesome so i want to transition a little bit you know on this show we love mm -hmm. to give advice to high school athletes you know, and I want to start by having you talk to a kid who maybe is not getting, you know, big looks. Maybe their only offers are D3 schools. You know, maybe it's yep. an Ohio Wesleyan. It's a Denison. It's a, yep. you know, Muskingum or something. And they're like, well, I wanted to be involved at a bigger level of football. I wanted more than this. Well, you know, your story is, it's truly remarkable. You came from Ohio Wesleyan to Iowa State. You know, you you and I talked off the record, you know, you've got coaches you're coaching with that came from Muskingum to Iowa state, bluffed yep. into Iowa state. So what would you tell a kid about not belittling and not, you know, looking down on those smaller schools and what they can do to propel you to that big opportunity? Yeah. You know, it all depends. Number one, you know, if, if you want to coach, obviously when you're going into college, but you know, the one thing I would say is like, if you want to play college football, if you want to play football, you know, you'll find a way to do it. You know, there's a, there's a school out there that I guarantee will let you play football on their team. Um, and yeah, it might not be Ohio state, but you know, if you want to play, you know what I mean? You're going to play. And that's what it boils down to. It's not all, if you're, you know, in my opinion, I guess if you're that, you know, if, if you're a guy that's maybe not being recruited very much or you, but you, you have some division three stuff going on. Um, but you really want to be the division one guy, um, you know, 
maybe try to walk on. You know, I would say you want to have you you want to have um, your why needs to be strong. You know, why are you doing this? Is it because you want to just play at Ohio State? You know, and and wear the jersey on Saturdays. You know, I don't know if that's particularly the right reason, and if that's going to help you get through. You know, the hard fall camp days and the hard training in the winters. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if your reasons are because you know you've always dreamed of it, and your maybe your granddad did or something along those lines, and it's more of a then, you know, give it a shot if you have the opportunity. But if you want to play, you'll play, you know, and you'll find somewhere to play. And there's somewhere that will allow you to play there. You know, football is football. Um, I had an absolute blast playing at Division three level for four years. Um, made some of the best friends, of, like I said, Keaton Lepla from Millersburg of my life. Um, and it was uh, met some of the most incredible coaches I've ever been around that have helped me, you know. And they wouldn't have just helped me if I wanted to be a coach. You know, they would have helped me if I wanted to go in the business world or if I wanted to, you know, go into law enforcement or, you know, to be a teacher, anything along those lines. They would have helped me. So I, I think that, again, if you want to find somewhere to play, you'll find somewhere to play. Um, um, but that's kind of, I guess, what I've got. You know, and the follow-up to that is, you know, one thing that your story shows is networking, you know, building mm -hmm. relationships and how important it is to just, be a good person, build relationships and network with people. You know, you talked about your, you got the gig at Ohio because the D line coach was an Ohio Wesleyan grad. So yep. if, you know, if you could talk to a high school kid who maybe just is like, ah, eh, I don't need to, you know, really worry about talking to my high school coach or having a good relationship with my position coach. Cause well, I'm talented enough. It doesn't matter. Yep. How, how much would you stress relationships and, you know, networking to these younger guys? Man, um, especially, I mean, if anybody wants to coach football, um, particularly, my guess would be that's how it is in most college athletics. It's all about who you know, man. Um, it's whatever they want you to know, they'll teach you. They'll tell you. You know what I mean? Um, until the point where maybe you're going to be a head coach or a coordinator, then they're going to want to know what you've got to offer. But as like a young guy in my position, you know, nobody really cares. I don't think, you know, what I know, you know, and when I was trying to get GA positions, it wasn't about what I knew, you know, it was about, you know, can they, am I, you know, good enough or smart enough, whatever you want to say to have you tell me to go from point A to point B. Now, can I do it? You know what I mean? That's, that's what they want to know. Because again, it's not my defense. It's not my program. You know, and I'm there, I'm there to, assist the other coaches you know and 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 the team of course um but just yeah it's 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 a tough it's a it's a yeah i don't know you know what i mean um trying to trying to hard to kind of put words into it i guess i think the one thing that your story shows is that never never belittle an opportunity because you never know yeah you never know if it's going to come back and just be the one that makes the difference in your career and like, that's like, you know, with, with coach Broomfield, you know, the guy that had initially, you know, informed me of maybe a position being available here. Like he was at Ohio Wesleyan the spring of my freshman year for honestly, maybe two or three weeks. And then the spring of my sophomore year for maybe another two or three weeks, you know what I mean? And just had kept in contact with him and talked with him. And, you know, one of the things I would say about the relationships is, and, and sometimes it can be hard because you're always trying to take that next step and you want to get the job and, and you, and you want a new position or, you know what I mean? You want to work with somebody, but you know, a relationship isn't just reaching out when there's a job available, you know, or, or when you see something or, you know, 
Merry Christmas, you know, Happy Thanksgiving, you know, hey, you know, hey, coach, hope hope your family's doing well. Um, Saul, was your daughter's birthday? That's awesome. You know, something just personable things, relatable things, you know what I'm saying? Um, and sometimes that and sometimes what you get in this business is people just try to talk to everybody, talk to everybody, make a relationship with everybody. And that doesn't, that's not, that doesn't always work. You know what I mean? Um, you you kind of gotta, you know, be able to be an acquaintance, I guess. I don't know. And, and, and really try to build a relationship. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of, in my opinion, how, how it goes, you know, there are the people that, excuse me, you're only going to see once a year at the convention, you know, and maybe you'll just sit down and drink a beer with them and that'll be it, you know, and then you'll see them the next year. And that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? You don't need to be reaching out. I mean, they don't, maybe they'll reach out to you or something if, if about a job or maybe you will for them, but that doesn't need to be the basis of how you talk to them every single time. You know what I mean? So last question for you, man. I know we've, we know we've been going through a lot with you, but at the end of the yeah. day, Iowa State upcoming season, some big things on the horizon. Like we talked about the, yep. the moves in the big 12 and everything, but what should fans expect from you guys this year? And, you know, when we turn on ESPN this year. What, what should we be expecting? A team that plays hard, you know, a disciplined team that plays hard, you know, they're going to play as hard as anybody that's ever on the field against them. You know, they're going to play to the fourth quarter, just kind of how they always have done here. You know, coach Campbell has built a standard here that, Football game's 60 minutes long for a reason, you know what I mean? And you don't quit until the end. You keep fighting and you keep fighting. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the same standards that we have been playing to, we're going to, you know, hopefully run the football, you know what I mean? I don't speak as much about the offense, obviously, but just a team that a team that plays hard, a team defensively that runs to the football, you know what I mean? So kind of the same standards that, that have been going on, so. Coach, I've had an absolute blast having you on today. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. I enjoyed being on here with you, Tobias, and uh, into getting to know you a little bit better. It's been awesome. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. And, folks, that was Coach Mason Tomlin, defensive graduate assistant for Iowa State University. But that's all we got for you guys this time. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.